Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Conquest and Defeat series, which walks through the book of 2 Samuel, discovering life's journey of grace, mercy, and faith. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles tonight and let's go to um, the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel and chapter number uh, 18, 2 Samuel 18. Second Samuel chapter number 18, and we are going to um, jump back into our Samuel series. We haven't actually been in this for uh, a few weeks, and so we'll kind of get, get caught up uh, to speed as to what's going on and uh, everything that's taking place. So <clears throat> Second Samuel chapter 18 tonight. We're actually kind of jumping ahead. If you've been with us in the series, then uh, just kind of give us um, where we're at. If you'll recall, when you hit the, the book of 2 Samuel, uh, we find out that Saul is dead. Through the first three chapters, David assumes the throne of Judah, the lower kingdom. And then uh, Abner, who was using Ishbosheth, Saul's uh, son, as kind of a puppet king. Abner dies, Ishbosheth dies, and then uh, the men of, of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, they, they all bring David in. Finally, David is in as king. And through those first few chapters, what we find taking place, <coughs> excuse me, what we find taking place is that David not only assumes the throne, but then David begins to fulfill prophecy and things that had been set up that God had told David to do. What, like what? Well, he moved the capital city to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem will be the capital for Israel. And, and this was something that God had desired for them to do all the way back uh, in, in, uh, with Moses and in Exodus and in Joshua. God desired some of these things to take place. Also, we found out David moving the Ark of the Covenant uh, all the way from where it was being held into Jerusalem as well. And why would he do that? Well, the Ark of the Covenant, it represented the, the, the um, presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's, um, it wasn't God's presence, but it was representative of God being there and being with his people. And so what was David doing essentially by saying, I want to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem? He was saying, hey, God, we don't want anything that you're not in the center of. God, we want you. We want you to be in the center of everything. And I love the story of David bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And we've seen God give David victory. Man, victory over the Philistines, victory over the Ammonites or the, uh, um, uh, over the uh, Syrians. Man, God's, just, God's done a lot. And really, if you were to read 2 Samuel, I, I kind of wish that it kind of would stop at chapter number 11 and skip all the way to 2 Kings chapter 2. You say, well, why that much? Because from 2 Samuel chapter number 11, all the way through the end of the book, it, to me, it's just kind of a, a downward slide that takes place in the life of David. Well, what happened in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, if you were here during our series, then you'll recall 2 Samuel 11 is where David, man, he just sinned against God. Many people think of David and Bathsheba, but the story is so much more than that. David committed adultery, but then he tried to cover it up by lying, and then he ended up having a man killed because of it. And you just really, it's kind of one bad decision after another that was in David's life. 
And if you were to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and see all of these decisions that David made, we actually find out that his decisions in 2 Samuel 11 would actually follow and haunt David and his family for generations. Really, if you follow David's story, and we're going to do this a little bit tonight, you discover that although there was grace and although there was forgiveness from God, there were consequences that God allowed to take place. And let me just say tonight, as before we even get into the message, that while we, while we do serve a loving God and a forgiving God and a God who is completely for restoration, God does allow consequences to take place for our decisions. And we know that any good parent, any loving parent is gonna do that with their kids. Aren't those of us that are parents, aren't we? When a, when a child does something, you forgive them and you may have restoration in the relationship, but sometimes you're, you're going to allow consequence or you are going to even give consequence. Why? Because you want them to learn and you want them to, to grow and you understand also that, <coughs> excuse me, that natural consequences are going to take place. Natural consequences that are going to follow the decision that, that your child made. And really, that's kind of what you find in 2 Samuel 11, all the way to the end. And if you were to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 13, we found that one of the consequences that followed David was the fact that his children began to make poor decisions. In 2 Samuel 13, 3, it says, it says that uh, um, Amnon had a friend. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, brothers, uh, Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And we looked at 2 Samuel 13, where Amnon, the son of David, had a friend. And that friend convinced Amnon to rape his own sister. And we learned that week about influence and the importance of good influence in our life. And if you were to go, though, you would find out that from the story of Amnon, really, 2 Samuel 13, the family just begins to completely fall apart. Tamar is, is in distress because of the situation of Amnon raping her. Amnon ends up dead, killed by Absalom, his own brother. Uh, David is very angry. Absalom flees. I mean, there's a lot that takes place in 2 Samuel 13. When you come to 2 Samuel 14 through 18, you really just see the digression of the entire family. And tonight, what I want to do is I want us to go kind of to the end of this section of the story, and I want us to look in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 32. Let's stand together. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 32 and verse number 33. It says this, and the king said unto Cushai, Cushai was a messenger. And the young man, is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, the enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, Thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. While we're jumping a good deal ahead, we're doing it for a reason. 
And this story tonight is really a, a story of David's regret. When I come to 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 33 and 34, I see a man living with regret. And tonight I've, I've titled the message just simply this, I wish I had, versus I'm glad I did. I wish I had, versus I'm glad I did. The regret that David shares in 2 Samuel 18, verse number 34, is a sorrowing heart that looked back at his previous few years and said, I wish I had. And tonight, I think we're going to find great challenge from this that'll help us. And so I want to encourage you to tune right in and let's let the Lord speak to us tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, Would you just take a a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you? Dear Lord, I just want to come before you and I want to thank you so much for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, thank you for the services here this morning and in Ridgepoint. And God, we just want to come and I want to pray that you would help us tonight as we look into your word. I want to pray, God, that you would speak to us. I want to pray that you would encourage us. I want to pray that you'd help us. And Father, if there's someone here tonight or maybe watching online, they don't know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I want to pray that tonight would be the night they choose you, that they put their faith and trust in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. I know this is a silly question, but do you ever have decisions that you look back on and you say, I wish I had not done that? Or decisions you look back and say, I wish I had done that? I know in my life, uh, I told the story, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe last Sunday morning of my sledding thing uh, from when I was 23. And that's a story, honestly, I wish I had not gone down that hill. Uh, I know my dad for years, and by the way, thank you for everyone praying for us and, uh, and uh, as well as for the Shea family and Bob's service went so good on Friday and praise the Lord for it. Please continue to pray for Glenda as well as my mom and our dad's, my dad's service is this Friday. Uh, at one. I know that was announced this morning, but thank you for praying for us. But anyway, my dad, he had an opportunity years and years ago. He had an opportunity to invest in Kentucky Fried Chicken. And there was a gentleman in their church that actually uh, was one that came up with the recipe that, that the company Kentucky Fried Chicken would buy. And my dad always said, man, I wish I would have got in on the ground level of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He didn't know back then, uh, you know, that it would become so popular and famous. But man, I wish I had. We all have those decisions. We all have those situations where we, uh, we wish we would have made better decisions or different decisions. But then we all have those times. We all have those situations when we say, man, I sure am glad that I did that. I sure am glad that I made that call. I sure am glad that I I took that step of faith. I sure am glad. We have have those two two, uh, extreme different decisions. And the fact of the matter is that they are very different. 
One says, I, I wish I would have been involved in it. I have had a great opportunity, but I missed it. The other one says, boy, I had a great opportunity and I took advantage of it. Tonight I want to look and I, I don't want us to come to this passage and say, wow, I have all of these bad decisions behind me. Because no doubt we all could. I want us to say, God, from this moment forward, would you help me make some good decisions so that I can say I'm glad I did rather than I wish I had. As you come to this passage tonight, <clears throat> David's spirit, David's heart in verse number 18, or in chapter 18, verse 34, is the heart of regret. I wish I had. And we're going to see that in just a minute. But I want to take just a quick second and I want to find out what was David regretting. If you were to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 13, we left off where Amnon was dead. Absalom had just killed his brother for his actions against Tamar. And we read these words in 2 Samuel 13, verse 37 through 39. It says, And Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. David, knowing that, uh, of course, Amnon deserved, um, uh, deserved consequence for his decision, David didn't take action. We'll see that in just a second. But Absalom did take action and probably a little too much action, killed his brother and then fled. And Absalom is there for three years. I want you to think about that and remember three years that Absalom is there. So this time passes and many people from the outside looking in, they look at David's life and they know, man, David's miserable. Uh, you can see there that he, the soul of David longed for his son Absalom. He was comforted regarding Amnon. There's nothing I can do about that situation now. But Absalom, there is something I can do. And him, him longing for is, I, I want restoration. I want this relationship fixed. It stayed like that for three years. Well, what happens in chapter number 14? Chapter number 14, <clears throat> Joab, one of David's generals, hires... Um, a lady, kind of an actress, to go into David and, and kind of give out this story, speak out a story to David as if it's her, in, happening in her own life. And the story, you can go read it. The story has a lot of intricate little details that really we don't need to go over them tonight. But the first 20 verses or so of 2 Samuel 14 is this lady sharing this story with the king. But... First, 2 Samuel 14, verse number 18, David catches on. And the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee, the thing that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, Is not the hand of Joab with thee in all this? Hey, isn't Joab behind all this story? This is, this is all made up. Joab's behind this. And the woman answered and said, As thy soul liveth, my lord the king, none can turn to the right hand or to the left from aught that my lord the king hath spoken. For thy servant Joab, he bade me, and he put all these words in the mouth of thine handmaid to fetch about this form of speech. Hath thy servant Joab done this thing? And my lord is wise, according to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. David kind of 
cuts through the act and realizes Joab's behind this. Well, what was Joab trying to do? Joab was doing anything he could to help David bring Absalom back. So if you go and you read the rest of the chapter, David tells Joab, okay, Joab, go get, go get Absalom, bring him back. And Absalom comes back into the kingdom, comes back into fellowship with his father. But if you go and you read the end of chapter number 14, Absalom would be in the city for two more years before Joab or before David spoke to him. He couldn't come before the king for another long period of time. So now it's been almost five years. Well, go forward one more chapter. What happens? Well, it's written in 2 Samuel 15, 6. On this manner did Absalom and all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. During those five years, God had allowed a little spirit of, uh, or excuse me, Absalom had allowed a little spirit of rebellion to stir up in him, and, and he stole the hearts of the kingdom. So now Absalom, kind of standing in the place of his dad, is giving advice, and he steals the hearts of the people. Can you just, can you understand with me that there's just a, a digression taking place in the life of David, in the life of his family? Amnon is dead. Absalom's been gone for five years. When he comes back, and finally him and David speak, the relationship doesn't get restored, and Absalom begins to turn the heart of the people against their own king. From chapters 15 all the way through chapter number 18, you find this story to be true. Verse number 12 of chapter 15, the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Absalom creates such an uprising against, against his own father that David then leaves and has to go uh, through the valley and off into the woods. Now David is running for his life again from his very own flesh and blood, from his own son. David would run from Absalom for a long period of time, um, a few months as a matter of fact, until finally David's advisors convinced David, David, you've got to stop running. David, you've got to stand up and let's, let's push back. Let's fight back a little bit. And so they fight back and 2 Samuel 18, verse 9 through 15, record what happened for us. Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under a thick boughs of, of great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak. And he was taken up between the heaven and earth, and the mule that was under him went away. If you recall the story, Absalom had a head of hair. Uh, it's kind of like Sammy over here. Absalom had a head of hair, and uh, you better watch out for trees, Sammy, I'm just saying. But then uh, Absalom's hair gets caught, and it says, and a certain man saw it and told Joab. He said, behold, I saw Absalom hanged in a tree. He's kind of hanging there by his hair. And Joab said unto the man that told him, and behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee 10 shekels of silver and a, silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, though I should receive a thousand shekels of, of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son, for in are hearing the king charge thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. 
Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself would have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. I don't have time for this. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. So after the series of events from 2 Samuel chapter number 11, we find David having, committing adultery. We find David lying. We find him covering it up and having somebody murdered. murdered. Then his son rapes his daughter and his other son kills, the, kills Amnon. Absalom flees and then Absalom turns the hearts of the people against the king. Many people die, including Absalom himself. No wonder when we come to our passage today in 2 Samuel 18, 32 and 33, we find that when David got the word that Absalom was dead, No wonder David wept, and as he went, he said, Absalom, my son, my son, would to God I had died for thee, Absalom, my son. What's David saying? David's saying, I wish I would have done some things differently. I want to talk with you tonight just for a few minutes about what I believe David wished he would have done differently. I want us to see, first of all, tonight, I believe that David would say, I wish I would have set a better example. I wish I would have set a better example. If you were here, you'll remember the story of David and Bathsheba. It was a sin committed, but it was committed completely in the open. Oh, it was behind closed doors, but everybody knew. How do we know that everybody knew? 2 Samuel eleven three helps us kind of in on that detail. David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? When David first sends word, who is Bathsheba? Who is that? The word comes back, hey, David, is not this? Listen, people knew what was going on. And we have to know, we have to know this tonight. If the servants of David knew what was going on, The family knew what was going on. Amnon knew what was going on. Absalom knew what was going on. The family knew. David had people who were trying to inform him that his decision was not a wise decision. People knew what was going on. His family, they were on the inside and they watched every step of the way. They knew what David was doing. They knew that even even Uriah's or even the orders to Joab to have Uriah killed, the family, everybody knew what was taking place. And I believe as we read chapters 14 through 18, all of it was part of the consequences that God actually said to David. As a matter of fact, when God is talking to David about the consequences for his actions of disobeying God and going against the word of the Lord, we read this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. I don't know what happened. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9 through 12, we read this. Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house 
Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. You know what God told David? Hey, David, as a part of your punishment is I'm, you did it secretly, but I'm going to allow this to be done openly. The sword is not going to depart out of your house. That means there's going to be violence in the house. That means brother against brother, father against son. And you're going to, uh, your wives are going to end up lying with thy neighbor. And if you go and study out Absalom, that's exactly what Absalom did. Absalom slept with all of his, all of his dad's concubines. They did it openly. You know, you know what I think David would say in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 33? I wish I had set a better example. I think one of the things that David wishes differently is that he would have set a better example, not only for his kingdom, but specifically for his family. You think about this. And don't, don't, just ever, don't, don't ever just read the Bible and just kind of go through it and think, well, that, that, that's an old story. It doesn't have application till now. It doesn't have application to today. No, even the Old Testament is written for our admonition and our learning. You look at it, 2 Samuel 11, what was David's sin? David's sin was, was sexual sin. And what sin was Amnon's sin in chapter 13? Sexual sin. I think David looked back and says, I wish I would have set a better example. I wish I would have done some things differently. I wish I would have said no to the flesh. What a challenge to us to live, listen, to live consistent, God-honoring, and God-fearing lives. The sword did follow his house, and his flagrant disregard to the truths of God brought consequences to him. I just want to give us this thought tonight that I would rather look back at life and say, I'm glad I did set a good example rather than I wish I had set a better example. What a challenge to parents. Hey, mom, dad, you need to be the same person at home that you are in the public eye. Hey, teenager, hey, listen, you need to be the same person when you're by yourself. You need to be the same person then that you are sitting at church. Why? Someone's watching you. Hey, someone is watching you. Well, I'm 15, I'm 13, I'm 17, I'm 82. Listen, I don't care what your age is. Someone's watching you. And at the end of the day, you're gonna be able to look back and say, I wish I had set a better example or I'm glad I did set a good example. I'm glad that my character met with integrity and honesty. And I just want us to understand tonight that God allows influence in your life and he allows you to be influenced in the lives of others. Don't get to the end of life and look back and say, man, I wish I had set a better example. No, I wanna look back and say, God, God, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I set a good example. God, I wasn't perfect, but Lord, I'm glad that I followed your word. And God, I'm glad that I tried to instill that in my family. No doubt every one of us are going to have the regrets and different things that we wish we would have done. But at the end of the day, I'd rather get back and 80% be I'm glad I did and 20% I wish I had rather than 20% I'm glad I did and 80% I wish I had. And David is looking back and we'll see it in just a second in the, in the Hebrew, what the, the terminology is him looking back saying, I can completely messed up. I messed it all up. I missed the opportunity. 
Man, I wish I had versus I'm glad I did. I would say tonight, you should make the decision to be consistent. Make a decision to live an example in your your Christian life. One of the greatest, and I mean this tonight, I'm not just saying it because of what's going on in our family situation. One of the greatest gifts that my dad and my mom ever gave me was the gift of their consistency. And I say it to this day, I have friends who are, uh, grew up in pastor's homes and they, they say, they say about their parents that they're not in church now because their parents weren't consistent. And pastor dad was different in the pulpit than he was at home. I'm here to tell you, again, I'm not just saying it because my dad just passed away in our family situation. No, when I thought of consistency, my dad is the very first person that pops in my mind because my dad was the same person for the last 38 years. He was the same exact man that he was at home, that he was at church, and he never got up behind a pulpit to declare something that he didn't first live out. My dad talks about witnessing to people, and I watched him witness to hundreds and thousands of people, and he talked about missions giving, and as just a little boy, he'd say, hey, son, here's, here's a dollar, and I He'd give it to me in 10 dimes. And he would say, now, now, how much is the tithe? And I'd say, all right, one dime. And then dad would say, now, how much do you want to give the missions? And I'm like, well, half a dime. And he's like, well, they're in dimes. You got to choose, bud. And so, all right, I'll give another dime to missions. And then I'll give another dime to the building fund. And then I'll do, and by the end of the day, man, you only have a dime left. And dad would say, you know, that dime can do, that dime will do more in your life than you could ever imagine, son. And just taught me that. But you know what? He didn't teach giving without first giving. You know, what, you know what's wrong in our culture and what's wrong in our country and what's wrong in a lot of Christianity is there's a lot of Christian parents. Listen, there's a lot of Christian teenagers that say, hey, do what I say, not what I do. You know what? That was David. I imagine David saying, Absalom, don't make stupid decisions, son. Amnon, don't make dumb decisions, boy, don't you know? And then here he is doing his own thing. Hey, I wish I had versus I'm glad I did. David said, I wish I had set a better example. What else did he say? I believe David would have said, I wish I had dealt with sin. Hey, I wish I had dealt with sin. Again, back to the story with Bathsheba. It took the prophet Nathan coming to David and literally after six to nine months, possibly even a year, calling David out on his sin before David repented of the sin with Bathsheba. And then when Amnon... um, When Amnon raped Tamar, this is what it reads. When David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. He didn't deal with anything. He just got really ticked off. He didn't approach anything. He just got really, really mad. When Absalom flees at the end of the chapter after Amnon is dead, it says that Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Jeshur, and David just mourned for his son every day. He didn't, he didn't seek to figure out how can I uh, bring, make, uh, deal with the sin that's in Absalom's life because David was the leader. No, there wasn't any of that. There was just anger and sadness. David never, ever in these, from, from 2 Samuel 11 all the way to 2 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 2, David had to be pushed to deal with sin. David was mad, but he didn't do anything about the situation with Amnon. David was sad, and he didn't do any, anything with the situation with Absalom. We spoke about this a few weeks back, a few messages back, excuse me, but we should always be quick to deal with sin. Hey, listen, keep a short account with God. Every single one of us live in this flesh. And as long as you live in the flesh, you're going to deal with sin. It is just going to be part of your life. That is not an excuse. 
to sin. Romans, 1, Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live or abide or find our, our fulfillment in, this, in sin anymore? No, 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 no. Hey, once you trust Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. But we still have to deal with the flesh. The old song says the old sweet by and by. And one old preacher said, but unfortunately until then, we have to live in the dumb now and now or the dull now and now. You know what? The truth is we still are going to have to live in our flesh. We got to deal with it. Hey, there's going to be times in your life when there's sins of omission and sins of commission, sins that, sins that you, you willingly committed and sins that you accidentally committed. But at the end of the day, man, I should be able to pillow my head and say, God, God, forgive me for that thought. God, forgive me for that harsh word. God, forgive me for that bitterness. What am I doing? Man, I recognize that forgiveness was complete on the cross, but I'm saying, God, I recognize that I want to view sin the same way that you view sin. And I want to confess that it is, it is a, a uh, heinous in your sight. And God, you look at it with disgust. And, and God, if my righteousness is as filthy rags, then what is my sin in your life? And so God, help me to deal with sin. Hey, help, ask God to help you deal with sin. Why? Because I, I would rather look back and say, I'm glad I did deal with sin rather than I wish I would have dealt with sin. I believe personally, I believe that God was giving David time after Bathsheba. I believe that God was giving him time so that David could repent on his own. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. But because he didn't, the consequences were a little harsher. Parents, doesn't it matter when your kids are honest right up front? Hey, did you break that window? No, no, it wasn't me. Well, who else broke the window? I don't know. Well, uh, there was a rock thrown through the window. Well, it wasn't me. It, was, it, it wasn't me. I mean, I was around. I heard it. I, I heard it. And you, some of your parents are laughing because you've been there. And you're like, dude, you were the only person in the room. I, you, you were the, I know because my dad said it to me multiple times. Me and Daniel Blim broke plenty of windows at Greeley Baptist Temple in Greeley, Colorado. And I can remember tons of times. Did you guys break the window? No, no, it wasn't us. Really, we found your football stuck in the window. That was Daniel's. It wasn't mine. It had his name on it. And usually, though, if I was just honest, yeah, we broke the window. Yes, it was us. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Would you forgive me? What was even better is if we broke the window and instead of waiting for it to be found, we went and told him. Parents, is this not true that if your, parent, if your kids are just honest right up front, usually the consequences are less to follow? That's just the truth. Hey, I, I, personally believe, I personally believe that with God, if David would have just been up front and just said, God, I, I sinned. God, I, I sinned. I lied. I committed adultery. And I had someone murdered, and God, I accept the responsibility of my own sin. But instead, he had to be called out on it. And you know what followed his family? That decision with Bathsheba followed his family for generations. And yes, David was a man after God's own heart. And yes, David is a great king in the Old Testament. Yes, David is the, uh, in the, the, the line of the Messiah. 
But I think if David had it to do over again, I, I know it. He said, I wish I would have done things differently. Absalom, I wish I would have done something different with you. What's something that Absalom wishes, or David wishes he would have done differently? I wish I would have dealt with sin. Hey, I want to ask you tonight, what, what area of your life, what area of your life has some unconfessed sin in it? What room in your heart is kind of hiding and harboring something? Now, hopefully you'll be able to say, Pastor, honestly, not Pastor, but God, honestly, you've seen my heart and, and there's nothing there. Man, I hope that would, I hope that would be the, the case. But if it's not, hey, be quick to deal with sin. What else do I see David wishing he would have done? I think David says, I wish I would have sought restoration. I wish I would have sought restoration. <clears throat> we read just a minute ago that Absalom fled and he was gone for three years. Then he came back to Jerusalem and 2 Samuel 14, 28, it says that Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. So for five years, five years, went from when Absalom killed Amnon and fled from the face of David until Absalom was before David's face again. I, I just want to say this tonight. That's just silly. That's just silly. You know what that is? That's pride. Pride on Absalom's behalf and on David's behalf. It's just pride. It's just silly. I think David says, would say, I wish I would have sought restoration. He looked back and he knew that he should have dealt with the situation differently. I'm going to, those of you that will be there on Friday at my dad's service, you're going to hear me say this statement again. But life is too short to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Life is too short to go five years without talking to family. It's too short to go five years without talking to a friend that you just can't forgive. I just can't get over it. Life is too short. It's too short. And God brings relationships into life, and relationships can be broken, but God is a God of restoration. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat you and me sometimes the way that we treat other people who hurt us? Man, we hurt God, and God doesn't go, fine, I'm giving you the cold shoulder. I'm not returning your text message for a whole year. I'm never answering your calls. I'm not. I'm glad that as Pastor Brian said this morning in the opening reading, Luke 15, that God with open arms just says, hey, I'm here. I think David says, would say, I wish I would have sought restoration sooner. Restoration is always God's goal in each relationship. Forgiveness is always his desire. But what I also want to say tonight is forgiveness and restoration do not, does not mean that we allow the person that we are forgiving or restoring back into our circle of trust. There are some situations and some people that will hurt you, be, and, and it is a hurt and, a, and, and something that's there that they don't need to be trusted again or allowed into that sphere of trust again, but they still deserve forgiveness and restoration. Now, listen, there's friends who have hurt me deeply, 
There's people who have hurt me very deeply. And you know what? I, I, I want to be able to forgive them. And I want to be able to see them where they walked in the service tonight. I'd be able to give them a hug and say, hey, it's good to see you. But they're not going to be that first person that I text when I need someone again. Well, that means you didn't forgive them. No, 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 no. No, forgiveness was there, but the trust has to be earned back. And so don't, don't leave tonight saying, well, see, pastor's saying that I got to forgive this person, restore this person, but don't you know what they did? No, I'm, I'm not saying you have to allow them back into your sphere of trust again. Now, you can still forgive them, and forgiveness is not a one-time decision, is it? Man, forgiveness is an every-time decision. Man, they hurt me, and every time I think about it, I got to choose to forgive them. But you know what? That's, forgiveness is God's decision. That's what the Bible says. Forgiving others, even as God, for Christ Jesus' sake, hath forgiven you. I think David would say, I wish I had sought restoration. Then also tonight, and lastly, kind of right where we started, I think David would say, I wish I would have led better. Not just set a better example, not just dealt with sin, not just sought restoration. I think David would say, I just wish I would have led better. In the verses that we read just a minute ago in 2 Samuel 18, verse 32 and 33, verse 33, when it says that David was moved and that he wept and that he used the phrase, would God that I had. We don't have time to look at all of the words, but if you take the Hebrew words that are there and you, you make an English phrasing out of it, you would get this. The definition would be to be troubled and weep with regret, to complain over an outcome. Verse number 33 is David literally saying, I am deeply regretful at the way this situation turned out. I am deeply, personally regretful with my responsibility of how this situation turned out. David was living with regret and sorrow that led him into depression. If you go to 2 Samuel 19, which we will in our next message, David was living with regret in his approach to Absalom, and it caused him to literally just go down into a cave of depression. You know what David wished? He wished he would have led his family better. I wish I would have led them better. I wish I would have, I wish I would have instilled in my son Absalom what my father Jesse put into me. You see, Jesse was a good dad. Oh, Jesse was a little negligent in some things. But if you look at the story of Jesse and his children, you know what Jesse was doing? He was always bringing them before the Lord. He was always gathering. Now, Jesse wasn't a perfect father at all. I think David would look back and say, man, I did not lead my sons the way that I should have. I didn't lead my family the way that I should have. You go later to 2 Kings or 1 Kings chapter number two, you'll find David giving instruction to his son Solomon. And the instruction to his son Solomon was, son, seek, seek God first. 
Let nothing else be, let nothing else take the place of God. I think in 2 Samuel chapter 18, David was living with regret that he never led his son Absalom that direction. What a heartache. What a heartache to be able to look back at the end of your life and say, I wish I had, rather than I'm glad I did. But not only is this a heartache, I think tonight it should be a lesson. Paul wrote, right, that the Old Testament is given for our admonition. Our admonition means gained knowledge that, we, that will be placed into action. Knowledge to action. I think, honestly, I think God recorded 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 32 and 33 for us to look and say, what got David to that point? What got David to this point? I wish I had. I think just a few of them are what we looked at tonight. But I want to close just by saying simply this statement, that at the end of your life, you are going to look back on life and you're going to think one of two things. You're going to think, I wish I would have, or I'm glad I did. I wish I would. I wish I would have, or I'm glad I did. There's no doubt that every one of us will look back and there will be things that we wish we'd done differently. <laughs> we all have them right now. Uh, even, even 10 and 12-year-olds can look back and think, man, I wish I would have done that differently. We all have that. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, if you live another week, you're going to look back at this last week and say, man, I wish I would have done that differently. But I think we should read stories like this and accounts like this, and it should encourage us to say, God, help me. Help me not to look back and say, I wish I had, but instead to look back and say, I'm glad I did. And specifically, these four things tonight. God, I'm glad I set a good example for those following me. God, I'm glad I dealt with sin this week, today. God, I'm glad I sought restoration and forgiveness, not only in my relationship with you, but in any other hurt relationship. And God, I'm glad that I led according to your heart. God, I'm glad that I led my family the way you'd want me to. I wish I had or I'm glad I did. Which one? Which one will you be saying at the end of tomorrow? You see, we're not looking at the next 10 years. Let's just look at tomorrow. Let's look at next week. And let's make a decision tonight that says, God, with your help, with your help tomorrow, I'm gonna, I wanna go through the day with the spirit of I'm glad I did rather than I wish I had. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.